Well, again, I want to say good morning. Welcome to you. Thank you for joining us this morning. I'm going to encourage you now, grab your Bibles. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 together. Uh, if, if you don't have a paper copy or electronic copy of God's Word, right there in front of you uh, in the rack is a copy. And we want to encourage you to uh, go ahead and, and pick it up and, and read along with us. And as you do that, I'm going to tell you something I don't think I've ever said in nearly 10 years of pastoring here, and I will probably never tell you again until the next time. And that is this. Don't pay attention to your outline. Um, There comes a time as you read and as you prepare that, that God says, you're on the right track, but we're going to go in a slightly different direction. And, and that moment was about 7.45 a.m. today. And so it has been all sorts of fun around here. Um, don't forget, we do have an 8.30 service, so um, they really got to, to have fun. But what we're going to do is this. Of course, this sermon will be up on iTunes in just a couple of hours And I'm going to post this entire outline on the church's blog. You can find it at westlakebaptist.com or .org. You can see the blog and and click there. It should be up in a couple of hours. Uh, So what I want you to do is have your Bibles, and and let's just allow the Word of God to speak to us this morning. Uh, We're going to put to bed or or kind of put a bow on this mini-series that we've done the past couple of weeks. This Message is entitled, as you see, TEAM. Now, TEAM is going to be an acronym that stands for Together Everyone Achieves More. And it's an understanding that we have a responsibility as a body. Though we are many, we are to be one. And, you know, I growing up, I was blessed to be a part of a lot of good teams, a couple of really great teams. Uh, but the team that stands out to me the most was probably one that had the least amount of talent on paper. If you looked at the team, you're thinking, they're okay, but they're not going to be great. What sets this team apart was a strong, unified vision of reaching a common goal. Understanding that everybody had a part to play, and as everybody did their part, it would become strengthened, and the result would be that we would reach the ultimate pinnacle there of baseball. Now, it doesn't mean that everything went smoothly. There was a lot of adversity, a lot of ups and downs with this team. Uh, We got that year started off by a suspension of three players who were everyday players. And so it it was kind of frustrating to begin with, but again, it, it... around this understanding that we have a common goal that we're going to work towards and that unified this group of misfits, really, to accomplish what no one thought could be accomplished. Now, maybe you're sitting here going, well, what in the world does this have to do with God, the gospel, and the church? And in short, it has everything to do with all three. For this reason, you see, If the church is to be all that God desires her to be, then we have to strive to have unity and focus on a common goal. We have to understand that we are a small part of something that is larger, and we have to give of ourselves 
to accomplish not what will make us look good, but will ultimately point the lost to Jesus. And so this morning's one big thing is going to be this. Although there are many members, we are to be one. So let's look at it together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 12. And if you can, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's word? For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Would you pray with me? Father, as we begin this time of diving into your word, God, I ask that you would truly speak to us. Lord, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Although there are many members, we are to be one. Now, to remain unified and striving to achieve this goal, we must, number one, remember that the gospel gives unity to the church. We see it in verses 12 and 13. The most repeated number in this text is the number one. Fact of the matter, in it, in the first few verses, you're going to see the word one is repeated six different times. Paul is constantly emphasizing one. One body, one spirit, one Lord, one baptism. The power of, of the gospel is seen in this. That the gospel is the only thing that can take people of differing backgrounds and bring them together. Think of it. Where else except the church will you find people of different political backgrounds and beliefs worshiping together? Where else will you see former drug addicts and alcoholics praising the same God with the the quote-unquote goody-two-shoes? Where else but the church will you find the young and the young at heart lifting their hands and voices in praise and adoration? Only the gospel can bring two different groups together and make them one. This is the power of Scripture. This is the truth of the gospel that in a world, in a culture, is so divided. I mean, look, look at our nation. We are incredibly divided. Yet that one thing that can bring us all together is the truth of the gospel. That's the power of God. That's what Paul says in Romans 1 and verse 16. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, to the Greek. Paul is saying, listen, two people groups who hated each other, the Jews and the Gentiles, they are brought into one family, one body by the gospel. The gospel is what reconciles former enemies and makes them friends and gives them a common purpose. We have to remember the power of the gospel. You see, we can't go out and bring harmony and unity into our community unless we go and share the gospel with the community. 
Because the answer to every problem we have, whether it's marriage, our families, our jobs, uh, racism, sexism, all these things, the only answer for the world is the gospel. And we have to be the ones out on the front lines proclaiming it day in and day out. See, when a church walks in unity, it preaches the gospel to its community. Because the world sees something that they don't experience every other day of their life. They will look at you and go, what in the world is it about you? Because you are people who seem so opposite. Yet you are walking in love and unity. What is it? The gospel. The gospel is what reconciles foes to friends. And it's what reconciles the world to God. And you and I have to remember this. The, the second thing we have to remember is this. The church is bigger than one person. Look there, verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. My heart breaks. And I've heard it over the years at churches I've preached at and things of that nature. I've heard it when somebody comes and says, you know what? If I leave this church... It's not going to survive. It'll collapse. Now, the politically incorrect side of me typically laughs and goes, I tell you what, let's try and find out. Because the church is bigger than one person. God doesn't need us. Let that sink in for a moment. God does not need me standing here preaching God's word. He could get a donkey to do it. The rocks cry out praises to the Lord. So please do not feel like God needs you. He desires you. He wants a relationship with you. He created you for that relationship and that fellowship. But don't ever believe that you are bigger and more important than we really are. One of the greatest illustrations of this is in in Scripture. It's there in the Old Testament. Joshua is assuming leadership in uh, the nation of Israel. Now, up to this point, they've had one leader, Moses. Moses has led the people for 40 years. Some of the biggest events in the history of Israel, Moses was front and center for. And so Moses dies. So what does God say to Joshua? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now arise, Get up and go to the land that I have promised you. And as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Like, there's no eulogy for Moses. Now, now we think that we ought to go back and say, you know what, thank you for all of your, uh, your accomplishments and everything that you gave to, to this. And man, Moses, Israel wouldn't have been what they were without you. And that's not true. Israel was what Israel was because God made Israel, not Moses. Yeah, we, we, it offends us because we think, man, shouldn't God have eulogized Moses a little bit more? I mean, after all, he's the only leader that Moses has ever known. No. This is what we have to learn. Man goes into the ground, but the mission goes on. The gospel will not stop. Because one of us dies. Because God is bigger than one person. 
His mission is grander and more important than us. So when we start throwing a typical two-year-old temper tantrum and going, well, I'm going to take my ball and go home. You're not doing things the way I want to. Guess what? God's going to go, it's not going to stop me. It's going to rob you of the joy of knowing Jesus and being used by him. But it's not going to stop God. We are not going to hold God hostage. He will either use us or he will treat us a lot like that stump that's in your yard. You know, the one that you can't completely get rid of because you leave a big crater in. But there's not a whole lot you can do. What do you do? You put a flower pot on that puppy and you mow right around it. And the reality is this. If we do not focus ourselves on Jesus Christ and serving and glorifying him, God will put a flower pot on top of our head and go right around. He won't be held hostage because the church is bigger than one person. Now, flip side of that. Everyone is needed in the church. Look, at, look with me, verses 15 to 17. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? No one is more important because of their title. See, I'm not more important because of what I do. Everybody here, if you have been saved, let let me make sure I emphasize this. If you have been saved, you have been given a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift that is to be nurtured and grown for the glory of God and the building up of His church. Okay? The reality is, the pastor needs the deacons, and the leadership needs the, the rest of the body. You are not less important because you do children's church or you do nursery. You're not less important because you mow the, the, field, the, the churchyard. You're not less important because you show up during the week when nobody else is here and, and cleans it. Everybody in Scripture and, and within the body of Christ is important to accomplish the mission of God, which is to know him and to make him known. You know, we we think about football. Who's the most known person on a football team? The quarterback, right? Everybody's like, oh man, the quarterback, the quarterback, the quarterback, oh, he's great, you know, look at what he did for our team and all of this. But here's the reality. If that quarterback did not have those 300-pound hog mollies in front of him, you wouldn't know his name because he wouldn't exist. He is only as good as the team in front of him and around him. And so is the church. See, see here's the glorious part of the way God puts the church together. Some people are able to, to get up and teach the word of God and make it make sense and apply it. And some people are gifted with their hands. Okay, I assure you of this. You don't want me doing the electrician work for this church. Two things will happen. I will have flowers on top of my head under a lot of dirt, and this place will probably burn. God hasn't gifted me that way. So guess what? I'm not going to go do that work. 
But you know what? God has gifted some of you to do that work. And so I'm going to say, hey, you know what? I know you're gifted in this way. And this is a way that you can serve God and help the church become who we're supposed to be. Would you do it? And when you do that, you are just as important as anybody else. Because you're using what God has given you to glorify God and to build up his church. When everyone is seen and treated as valuable in the church, what happens is that church begins to walk in unity and the result will be that the gospel will go further. We know that uh, because uh, of verses 25 and 26. By the way, you can always gauge the love a church has for God by how they treat each other. Jesus, in fact, said in the Gospel of John, by this all the world will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. You want to know how important God is to, to a Christian? Watch how they treat other people. That will tell you everything you need to know about them. So, so what about this passage? I mean, how, how does this help us understand the acronym of TEAM, of Together Everyone Achieves? more. I want to give you just a few things. First off, I have to start here. You have to become a part of the team. We, we started off this morning by saying that the most important factor in this text was the number one. You know, one body, one spirit, one Lord, one baptism. I'm going to give you one more, one, and that is this, one way. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He didn't say, I am one of the ways. He said, I am the only way. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 say, For by grace have you been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the free gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I don't want you to ever believe that you can work yourself to heaven. That is a lie from the pit of hell, and it smells like smoke. You and I can't be good enough to earn God's love and his grace. Grace is always a free gift based on the giver, not the receiver. Are you then part of God's team? Have you come to that place where you have admitted, yes, I, I am a sinner who deserve God's judgment but because of his love for me, he sent his son to die in my place. And that what Jesus did on the cross is the only way I can possibly be saved. You see, just as you can't earn God's love, can I share this with you? You can't lose God's love either. You know, so, some of you are walking around on eggshells afraid that if you make a misstep, that somehow God's going to be done with you. Folks. It's God who is holding us up. We're not holding him up. Go back to the point. He doesn't need us. Now, does that excuse our sin? Never. We have got to get to the point where we love God so much that we learn to hate our sin and that we love each other enough that we will privately pull one another aside and go, you know what, man, because I love you so much. This is a sin. You need to confess it with God. Let's pray together, okay? Let's work on this for the glory of God. Man, we got to get to that point. All right, that, that's important. But we need to understand that my good works will not make me a part of God's team. 
You are no more saved because you come to church than because you go into a garage makes you a mechanic. We are saved by the grace of God through faith. The second thing I would say is this. Show love and appreciation for one another. Remember, Jesus said the world will know your love for him by how we treat one another. And you know the number one place this takes place? Not just in church. Number one place this is revealed is in the home between a husband and a wife. You know why? Because the, the relationship between a husband and a wife is a picture of Jesus and the church. Show love and appreciation for one another. Remember this, it's not all about you. It's about the other person. How we treat one another preaches a sermon on the love and power of God and grace and mercy and the gospel. We must treat others as though they matter more to us than we matter to us. Now, why would I say that? Well, because in Scripture it says in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in the second verse, it says, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. There's the unity factor. Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory. All right, 2018 uh, terms. Don't do anything to toot your own horn. But in lowliness of mind, humility. Let each esteem others better than themselves. When I look at you, I don't see competition. I see somebody that I am to cooperate with to further the gospel. I don't look at you as somebody who should do something to help me. Rather, I need to look at you and ask, how can I serve you? How can I help you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? How can I help you become all that God wants you to be? And again, this begins in the home. But then it translates into church. Uh, Paul continues there. He says this, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Again, I know you're busy. I know, man, we got schedules like crazy. But we, ought to, we should always build margin into our schedule for this purpose. How can I go help somebody else? Here's the beauty of it. When everybody begins to serve everybody else, everybody's needs get met. The reason needs don't get met is we become very selfish and prideful and territorial and want to do it all ourselves. Now, why is all of this important, you ask? Well, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Paul says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You want to prove that you're a child of God? Okay. Walk in unity. Humble yourself and serve one another. That's the mind of Christ. You look around and you go, hey, this person's not here today. I wonder if they're okay. All right, here's an assignment. Call them. Text them. Email them. Hey, you know what, man? I missed you on Sunday. Everything okay? How can I pray for you? You know, we, we had a little bit of rain last night, I think. Uh, there, there, there were a lot of roads that got washed out. 
Poor people on Webster Road, like they're two-thirds in trouble. Like they got a third before they're not going to be able to get out anymore. Okay? Um, our volunteer fire department, Scruggs Road, right down the road, uh, right between, between the two services, uh, Chief Dempsey Moore said, you know what, God really looked out after us last night because we just got to Brooksville to do a swift water rescue before a vehicle was completely swept away. He said, I didn't think we were going to make it. You know what, guys, here's a great thing you can do because there are so many first responders and, and police. You know what, reach out to them this week and go, thank you. You know, when danger comes up in our world, what do we do? We run away from it. They run to it. You know, just, just recognize it. Little things. How many of you have ever had a bad day in your life? Okay, it's good. All right. How many of you have ever, when you're having a bad day or a bad week, all of a sudden you go to your, I'm going to date myself here, uh, go to your mailbox and pull out a card from somebody? Ever had that happen to you? That changes everything. Or you know what? You're just having one of those down in the dumps kind of days, and then all of a sudden you, you look in your email and somebody has just sent you a message. You know what? I thank God for you. I'm praying for you. If I can do anything, let me know. What does it do for you? It changes your whole day from that moment. And this is what we're called to be as a church. You know what? Hey, people have birthdays. Send them a card. Happy birthday. God bless you. You know, give them a phone call. Typically, when I remember and put everything in my calendar the way I'm supposed to, I have a 30-second phone call with people. And some of them are laughing because they already know it. All right, it's a 30-second phone call. It goes like this. They pick up, hello. Hey, happy birthday. How are you? I'm good. Okay, well, happy birthday to you. You live in a zoo. If they're married, I say your spouse is a monkey and your pastor's a baboon. Happy birthday. God bless. And that's it. I mean, it's over. And what do you do? You laugh. But what you just, in doing that, let, let me explain why this is important, okay? When you do that, when you take time out of your busy day to focus on somebody else, what you have just communicated to them is you matter to me. You matter to God. And so you matter to me. This is the, wor- this is the message that the world's got to see through the preaching of the gospel. That yes, we are different. Yes, we are sinners alienated from God. But because he lavished grace on me, I'm going to give it to you. Fully and freely have I received. Fully and freely will I give. Then last thing I would say is do your part. You know, nothing will bring down the morale on a team more than finger pointing after a loss. Okay, go microphone. Well, you know what? I did my part. And if he would have done his, then we would have done better. We, We would have won a game. Nothing will bring a team down faster. In the same way, nothing will defame the gospel more than church members who talk about other church members in a negative way. Here's, here's what I say. If you have time to talk about somebody, then you have time to do what God's called you to do. And the reality is, if we all do our part, we don't have time to talk. Because I, I, I don't know how your schedules are, but I'm going to say this. I can barely get done everything I need to. But as we work together, everyone achieves more. The gospel goes further. God is glorified. We are unified. Satan is horrified. That's what I call a good day. 
at the end of the day, if you are not serving in any way, you are defaming the gospel and you are living in sin. I know that doesn't set well with some of us, and I got it. But please understand the heart behind this. You were saved for the purpose of serving. Paul said, I'm not, I can't be all things to all people. Nobody, everybody's got a gift, not everybody, no one has all the gifts. And, and as we see there in, I love what it says in verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. You are here not because you thought, hey, that looks like a good church, I think I'll go there. But because God in his sovereignty has brought you here. And he has brought you here for a time and a purpose. And if you love God, you will fulfill that purpose. Now, some of you are going, I agree, but I don't know what my gift is. Okay, I get that. If that's where you are, I want to encourage you. See me after service. I'll take just a couple of minutes to tell you a couple of things to do because I, I, want, I want to experience the joy of you learning what your spiritual gift is and then telling you how to get plugged in here at Westlake Baptist Church. Because God has placed us strategically here for a reason. That there's a community around us that needs to hear the gospel. And God didn't call some other church to go to this community. He called this church to go to this community. I want to help you discover it. I want to help you to begin to use it. And I'll go as far as saying this. The church will never be everything God intended it to be. It will never accomplish all that God foreordained it to accomplish until everyone is using their gifts for the glory of God and the furthering of the gospel. So with that being said, I want to ask an important question. Are you on God's team? See, we, we can get fooled into a lot of lies that... You know, if I just believe in Jesus, that's all that's required. You know what? If you believe in Jesus, you're going to live like Jesus. It's in in scriptures from beginning to end. We we get fooled into thinking, well, you know, if I just do good things, if I just read my Bible, if I just go to church, if I just give, if I just, you know, if I just get baptized, then then I'm saved. And scripture says, no, 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 and no. There's one way in. And a million ways out. That only way in is through faith in Jesus Christ. Have you come to that point where you have said, yes, God, you're right. I am a sinner. I've been rejecting your love. But God, now I see that you died in my place so that I could experience your grace. If then that's the step you need to take this morning. You don't want to put this off any longer. If you're saved, I would say this. Is your life and what you're doing with your life, is it pointing others to Jesus? See, when people meet me out in the community, they should walk away with an impression, this is a guy who loves Jesus. Not this is a guy who's a football fan or a baseball fan. This is a guy who loves Jesus. What about us collectively? I would say this. 
is the Westlake community looking at us as a church and seeing the power of the gospel, the power of God, the love of God, the grace of God, and the mercy of God? Or are they seeing a collection of people doing their own thing? That's hard, man. That's, that's a painful question to end on. But it's a, it's a question that demands an answer. Because if at the end of the day they know our political affiliation, they know that we're a, a, a fan of the Hokies even though they laid an egg, that we're fans of UVA, we're fans of the Redskins, even fans of the Cowboys. If all they know is our political and sports affiliations, but they don't know who Jesus is, that's not a them problem, that's an us problem. And I'm not going to speak for you, but I'm going to speak for me. I don't want to get to the end of my life and have anybody who's ever come in contact with me have any doubt on two things who the Lord of my life was and how to be saved. And if that's how you feel, then we need to get on our knees before God and we need to take care of business. So I'm going to ask, would you stand with me as we're going to pray together this morning? Fathers, we close out this the second service here today. God, I just want to thank you for a day of ministry that you have given us. Lord, we don't ever want to take it for granted because we are given opportunities to come in to this warm, safe building week in and week out. But Father, we don't want to just come in here to say that we came in here. Because every time we come together for the purpose of corporate worship, we are truly entering onto holy ground. Not holy because of anything that we say or do, but because of who is here, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, with the understanding of the reality that we're standing on holy ground, it means that we need to take care of business with you. For that soul that has never trusted you, God, I pray that today they would cry out from their heart even right now. Lord, that they would just give their heart and their life to you. They don't have to have their life all together. They don't have to have all the answers. They just have to understand that they are a sinner that you died for. And that you are the only way they can be saved. And Father, I praise you for my church family. Man, they're an incredible group. They have laughed and loved and given grace. And Father, that stands as a testimony of the God of His people. But we are people, which means we're not perfect. Sometimes we say things, sometimes we do things, sometimes we think things 
that are sinful. And Satan just wants to beat us up and to say, oh, how could you possibly be a Christian? Look at what you did. Yet your grace is reminding us, I died for that. You didn't die for the perfect ones. You died for the sinful. So, Father, I pray that if there's something in our hearts, something in our life right now that is keeping us from loving you, from obeying you, God, would we lay it down today? Father, if there's something that we as a body need to be doing so that this community can hear and see Jesus, God, I pray that right here, right now, hearts all over here will be just saying, yes, Jesus. Yes. So we give this time of invitation to you. Let us respond to you in worship through obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing it and... God has spoken. Let's respond. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of jesus christ oh come to the altar the father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Sing us together. Oh, what a
Jesus Christ, oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world all the treasures you found. 